Nice. I've always wanted an 80s themed intro. Hi, I'm Riggs. And this is my podcast, Riggs Off the Radio. Because you probably heard me on the radio. But I have thoughts and I like to talk to people off the radio. You can spend a lot more time with someone off the radio. If someone drops an F-bomb or says shit, oops, I just said it right there. You know, that's not the worst thing in the world because we're on a podcast. So I'll save the mental health, like the deep mental health and suicide prevention stuff for Mental Health Mondays. And then other topics that interest me and hopefully interest you for this portion. Rigs off the radio. It's a heavy topic, though, this week. Can you take it? You should take it because it's an important one. And it's one that's happening in our own backyard that you might not even think about. Human trafficking and sex trafficking. And it's a lot more than just pimps and hoes. And it's more than Liam Neeson in the movie Taken. Since I don't have the legal rights to broadcast the monologue from Taken, I'll just recreate everyone's favorite scene right now. I don't have money, but what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Holy crap, I just gave myself goosebumps. That's my Liam Neeson impression, wasn't that great? So is human trafficking and sex trafficking really like that? Or is it just another sensationalized Hollywood movie? Where can this happen? Why is it such a big problem? How can people help? Can it happen anywhere? Is it only women? Or can men be sex trafficked too? What about children? I had so many questions. And so, let's talk to my friend Rachel from the Fight to End Exploitation, correct? Yes, absolutely. Which is based out of Milwaukee. So, first of all, uh, you're a skydiver. You've skydiver. We skydived, skydove, sky, skydived together. Yes, Yeah. Rachel is also a stunt performer for movies and television, which your first big one is coming out. Candyman is coming out soon, right? Yes. it's. Um, it actually got delayed to come to theaters until September now. Uh, it was going to be June, but with everything going on, they pushed it back. So right. hopefully, hopefully September, Candyman will... We'll be in theaters. I'm excited. So you, you're, you have an action-packed lifestyle, but you also have a very a, a very serious passion, and that is in human trafficking. And yeah. so that's what I wanted to bring you on and talk about today. So welcome to the mm-hmm. podcast. You know a lot about this. You've been involved for how long now? Yes, thank you. Um, I started studying human trafficking about exactly 10 years ago now when I was in college. I took a class and I learned about it, but I, learned, I was a women in developing countries class. So I learned about trafficking um, specifically the Thailand sex tourism type trafficking. But through my research, I ended up realizing that this happens in the United States. And I was almost, you know, horrified and ashamed that I was ignorant of the subject that was going on. And we weren't talking about it as much. So just from that alone, it led me into doing some research on it. And it kind of sparked a passion in me that we needed to draw more awareness to it. Um, And I ended up writing my senior thesis in college on the sex trafficking of women. And um, that kind of just started everything. And that thesis was published. Uh, It just became published for the second time this past 2019. And it just basically catapulted me into wanting to get involved within an organization. Well, you find a passion and you stick with it and it's an important one as well. So mm-hmm. when I like when I hear trafficking or normally when people hear trafficking, they think of like the movie Taken. I've heard that before like with mm-hmm. Liam Neeson where the chick goes off and they're off on by themselves in Europe and then they get captured and then they're sold to some rich guy and sold for sex and they're given drugs. How much of that is true and how much of that is sensationalized? How much of it is true to the story? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very good question and one that we hear a lot just because Taken, I think that came out in 2008 or so, which was right a little bit right before I started studying trafficking. So it started to become a little bit more, um, you know, out in the media and spoken about, but it was also, um, you know, more questions than anything of what sparked from that movie. Yeah. And um, yeah, it it's, it's a good movie. Obviously, I, I really enjoy that movie, but it's very, I would definitely say sensationalized. I mean, it's a Hollywood Hollywood picture and the, you know, it definitely brings to light human trafficking and sex trafficking, which I'll, I can, I'll define those terms in a bit just so everybody is aware of what they specifically mean. But that movie basically led everybody to believe that trafficking, um, you know, was kidnapping based and people were literally kidnapping people into trafficking, which that does happen. Um, It's just very, very, minimal. Um, and people associate that specifically with trafficking and the real human trafficking is often hidden in plain sight. And so, um, you know, movies like that do some good because it brings awareness to the issue at hand, but it also causes us to have to work harder to try to bring the correct information out into the mainstream media, because even the you know, some news channels and some reporters get all of these terms confused and it's just sending so much misinformation out there, but it's human trafficking is, you know, it's a pretty, it's been going on forever, but it's been a more recently defined crime. And that's where, you know, there's a lot of confusion regards to it. So, so what's like, so human trafficking, sex trafficking, like kind of, can you define both of them, the differences between the two? Yes, absolutely. So human trafficking is kind of that umbrella term. It's basically modern day slavery. And there are different types of trafficking. Um, And I'll also note that the, the term human trafficking has only been defined since the year 2000. Um, George Bush enacted the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, which was when human trafficking became a federal crime. And so 2000, that's only 20 years or, you know, 20 years ago when this has in reality been going on for so long. So human trafficking is just, you know, if you think about it like modern day slavery, where somebody is exploiting another person for their own benefit. And so sex trafficking is a type of um, human trafficking, labor trafficking is a type of human trafficking. And then some other ones that aren't, aren't too widely talked about is um, like child brides or child soldiers, um, you know, where kids can still be legally or even unlegally married off um, at a young age. And since they can't, yeah, since they can't consent to it. This happens in America too? Yes, absolutely. There are only two states, um, I believe New Hampshire and New Jersey that made it a law that nobody under the age of 18 can get married off. But the majority of states, like if your parents sign off on it, you could get married at, you know, it depends on each state, but like 14, 15 years old. And since, you know, you're not legally allowed to, um, you know, give consent, they define that as human trafficking. Um, So they would get a parent to sign off on a marriage and then that child is now the property of that person. So the parent can't do anything anymore. Yeah, it's like it becomes a whole other issue. And I was actually listening to a podcast this morning about um, a woman who was sold into well, not well, it was a whole family thing, but she was basically um, forced into marriage by her by her mom 
to marry her abuser to kind of, you know, it was a whole mess of a situation, but it definitely does happen. Um, So that's a type of human trafficking. And then we have organ trafficking, you know, the illegal sale of organs on the black market. Um, That's a type of human trafficking. I didn't even think about that. I've heard of like black market mm -hmm. weapons and jewelry and handbags, but organs, that's all. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you know, that per- there's that organ is coming from some person. So, um, you know, whether or not it's by force or that person is so desperate for money that they, you know, willingly agree to, you know, some very sketchy underground type um, sale of organs. But, yeah, that's a type of human trafficking. What's even scarier than the harvesting of those organs are the probably black market doctors that are doing the surgery to yeah. Then put that in someone else because that that's got to be done mm-hmm. off the books. That's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not just some, you know, random people that are involved with this. Like they have to have medical professionals that are involved to be able to successfully take out an organ and also put it in somebody else. So it's not just bad people who, you know, your your stereotypical bad people. It's, you know, professionals too that can get involved with this. Um, so yeah, those are the main types of trafficking. Um, but sex trafficking and labor trafficking are the two most, you know, most widely known and talked about. And um, we can talk about sex trafficking in a minute, but for labor trafficking, just to get an idea of what that is, it's, um, you know, it's any product could be made from, you know, out of slavery. So, if you think about some of our clothes that we wear, if it's from overseas, you know, a lot of other countries aren't as strict as we are in regards to, you know, labor laws. And so these people could be working very long hours, not getting enough pay, not getting breaks or, you know, vacation time. And even children could be forced into working. So any sort of like sweatshop is essentially labor trafficking. And so, um, There's an interesting app. It's called Slavery Footprint. You can go on this app and you can plug in different products that you have, like even your iPhone or, you know, MacBook and coffee that you drink. You can plug in whatever product that you have and then you can see how many slaves it took to make that product because, you know, there's people being exploited out, you know, in different farmlands and agricultural work and things you don't even think about could be, you know, made from slaves, Um, chocolate that you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables that are harvested. It's a very eye-opening thing when you um, when you really think about where your products come from and the people that could be exploited in that process. What's the name of that app again? It's called Slavery Footprint. Slavery Footprint. Yes. there's. Um, I think there's a few other apps as well, but that's one that we recommend. And that one um, is, a, is a really good one to... This may be a a question you don't know the answer to, and I'm just now thinking it. If there's people that make these apps, why don't the people that make these apps shut this down and put an end to it? Or is it a matter of the laws in the countries that it's happening? Yeah, it's one of those things where it's such... Okay, so in terms of illegal money that's being made, like human trafficking is the second most profitable illegal trade. It's right behind the drug trade. So we have drugs, we have people... And then we have guns and weapons as number three. So when you have something that makes that much money, obviously there's, you know, a lot of corruption and a lot of, um, you know, challenges that go, you know, I wish we could easily just stop this and, uh, you know, help all these people. But when, when so much money is involved with it, especially, you know, we can, we can talk about in the United States specifically in a bit, but a lot of other countries out there are so impoverished that this is how they make money and this is their livelihood. And it's a very, very unfortunate thing, um, you know, and 
I wish there was a, you know, we could just stop it all and have companies be more um, accountable, you know, exactly. <laughs> Transparent. And, yeah. And that's the thing is like, they haven't had to. And so even big name companies, um, you know, like your shoes and your iPhones and all this stuff, like it, you know, it kind of gets hidden along the whole cycle of production. And if people aren't asking the questions or really caring about it, you know, we're still going to buy the products either way. So they realize that. And so they continue to exploit people just because they know we're going to, we're going to pay them money. Well, yeah, you don't think about it. I think I just want my shiny new iPhone or my new pair of shoes. I don't care where it came from. It's like my meat sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like I, I know, I know like the agriculture and some of the meat industry can be terrible to their animals. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm ignorance is bliss with me on that, but those are animals. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be ignorance is bliss with, with humans. This is eye opening to me. So yeah, it really is. And some companies are doing better, like anything with, um, it's called fair trade. And so a lot of, a lot more companies are, you know, claiming that their products are fair trade, meaning they come from very, you know, um, good avenues in terms of, you know, the people who are producing the product or growing the product or whatever are very, you know, treated fairly, but it's still like, that's still the uncommon thing. Um, it's, like putting, it's, it's like putting a cage-free farm fresh label on my food. Was it really? Yep. Uh -huh. <laughs> but you put it there. I feel comforted as the consumer. I'm like, oh, they didn't hurt anybody to do this. Everything's fine. Yeah, exactly. So you, it makes you feel better, but it's still one of those things where you don't know hundred percent. So like, where does this happen geographically? Like, is, is this happening in cities? Is it suburban areas? Is it? It is all over the world. Um, it is in every country, every state. We have had cases of human trafficking in all 72 counties of Wisconsin. So just to put it more, um, you know, back, back home, it happens everywhere. Um, and it's, you know, it's modern day slavery. And if you look at it as modern day slavery, like there are more people in slavery today being exploited, you know, sexually, uh, through labor and through all the other avenues that I talked about. Um, and it's estimated that there are 27 million people in some sort of slavery today. And that is, you know, 27 million people. That's astronomical. That's global. Yes, that is um, worldwide. I'm going to say, all right, so out of 7 billion, I was thinking, hopefully it's not of Wisconsin. I was like, holy cow, it's a lot. <laughs> no, that, yeah, that's, no, that's, that, that's globally. Um, but it's estimated, too, in the United States alone that it generates $32 billion annually. In um, just black market money that's just coming in. Yep, yep, absolutely. So, yeah, it's right behind the drug trade. And there's... I've heard some unfortunate statistics or estimates saying that, you know, with drugs being, you know, cracked down even more, um, it's projected within the next like five years or so that unless we really do something to combat human trafficking, it's going to eventually surpass the drug trade in terms of generating a legal profit, which is very, very, you know, unfortunate because um, this is people that we're talking about. This isn't you know, and, and a big reason why it's so much more profitable is when you think about it, like if you think of drugs or weapons, once you sell, you know, that drug or weapon, it's gone. You have to get another one to resell. But if you have humans, like you can use them over and over again yeah. um, and exploit them, you know, all day long for weeks, months, years on end until they're, you know, they either die or they're able to escape somehow or, you know, they end up getting out of it. And it's just one of those things where you think about it. It's like people are exploiting other people um, all day long, every day. And it's a really sad reality. 
Has this gotten worse since we've all been locked down at home? I, it, I don't know if you have numbers or anything. I know we've only been locked down for, I say only, a month or so, mm-hmm. six weeks. But is this making things worse? Everybody being stuck at home? Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting question that we've you know been recently talking about. Just because this is such a new phenomenon, and no, you know, we've never had to deal with something like this. But um, there are reports that uh, you know sexual assaults and domestic violences uh, incidents have increased during this lockdown, just because people are are stuck at home and um, they're they could be trapped with an abuser, and so we have to assume that people are being exploited more during this process as well. Um, Just to parallel with that, obviously there's really no, it's too soon to really read or get any data on it, but um, we've talked about it and it's one of those things too, or especially with sex trafficking. And I can talk all about that to actually define what sex trafficking is in regards to, in comparison to prostitution. But, you know, a lot of people who are in this, industry right now they're being not only exploited and abused but now they're being you know in in more dangerous situations like if their pimp is forcing them to still meet with customers then they're you know at risk for contracting covid-19 and and they're less likely to get to go to the hospital and so it's just it's more they're having to deal with more issues right now because of it so i definitely believe that it's affected it's just in terms of numbers it's not something we have yet. Uh, you use the word pimp and you sent me uh, a news article where you were talking about pimps and how mm-hmm. the name pimp has been kind of glorified and you think of it, the uh, male pimp, female prostitute. So like mm-hmm. male men are trafficking women. Is it mostly women or can also men be trafficked as well? I'm assuming children mm-hmm. also. So are yeah. certain people more susceptible to this or is it a pretty even playing field? Yeah, very, very good questions. And so I'll first start by, um, yeah, reiterating, you know, a pimp and a trafficker. So when I use the word pimp and a human trafficker, sex trafficker, I'm using them interchangeably. Like a pimp is somebody who profits off of um, exploiting another person sexually. And so because of our culture and, you know, media, like a pimp has often been glorified. Well, and the somebody with the, the nice big fuzzy mm-hmm. jacket and he's got all the money and all the ladies yep. around him. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a big problem that we have to deal with is people don't understand what a pimp truly is and what they represent. They think it's something cool or something, you know, to look up to and idealize just because it's money and beautiful women and, you know, expensive clothes and cars and such. And, you know, so that part of it is appears to be very glamorous. But when you look at what sex trafficking is and you're being controlled by somebody and forced to do these things, it's not not very glamorous. And so, yeah, that's what I mean. Pimp is the same thing as a sex trafficker. And so, um, you know, that's, that's a big misconception within yeah. the industry. And also, I would argue that that's why it's hasn't really been taken as seriously as possible. It's just like you look at our society, we run everything based on sex, you know, sex sells everything. And when it's so glamorized, it's not as, you know, it's not, it's harder to make people realize the negatives of it. Um, But in regards to, you know, who is more likely to become victims? um, So very good questions. And um, so the majority of cases that we see in regards to sex trafficking are um, where you have a male pimp and a female victim. But we can also um, have female pimps, and sometimes they have a male and a female pimp working together. And 
the female can, you know, assist with, you know, recruiting and trying to gain the trust of girls just because, you know, it's another woman. She's disarming. Everything's mm-hmm. okay. Exactly. Um, so it can go all that we can see. Um, we've seen boys are victims as well. Um, like some current statistics that we've seen, like Milwaukee did a study um, a couple years ago. And without of, I think it was over 300 cases of sex trafficking, like 92% of them were female and 7% were male in regards to victims. Um, so it can go either way. And it's also a big problem too for our, um, you know, transgendered and LGBTQ community as well. Cause um, you know, sometimes they're, you know, looked down upon in society. And so pimps and traffickers, they tend to exploit the vulnerabilities of people. And so it's, it's a problem that faces everybody. Um, it's not just, you know, runaways on the street. Um, it can be anybody because you might have with, a transgender kid that's been kicked out of his house. His parents don't mm-hmm. agree with his life. They come to yeah. trafficker sweeps in, Hey, we got a place for you. Come here, come yep. hang out with us. And before you know it, they're, they're sucked yes. in. Yep, absolutely. And that's basically what happens the most common example of that. It's not just people being kidnapped off the street or beware of the creepy white vans. I guess you should always be aware of your surroundings and the people that you're around. But the majority of sex trafficking cases start with a friendship or some sort of grooming process. Um, You know, like I was saying, like pimps are master manipulators. They know what to look for. So, um they tend to target those um, we call there's a term called ACEs. It's adverse childhood experiences. And so people with different ACE scores tend to be more vulnerable to being exploited. And some of those um, adverse childhood experiences, you could, you know, be living in a dysfunctional home where maybe you're in and out of the foster care system or your parents aren't in the picture or they could be incarcerated. There could be, um, you know, mental health issues in the household or, or substance abuse issues, or violence, um, neglect. So some of those common, um, you know, issues. Discord in a home somehow. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And so when violence and abuse, especially sexual abuse to people who are, you know, victims of sex trafficking often have been victims of sexual abuse as a child. And it's one of those things when you're raised in a very abusive and violent or, um, you know, sexually abusive household, like some of that stuff becomes almost normalized. It's very, very sad to, to see that. But sometimes, you know, when we deal with sex trafficking victims, they don't even see themselves as a victim just because they've been groomed for their childhood, just that abuse and neglect is normal to them. So trying to get them to realize that they don't have to be put in this situation, they don't have to be forced to do these things. It, it's, it can often be a difficult thing just because they're so, you know, I don't like using the term brainwashed, but they're so like manipulated their whole life. Um, So we see a lot of victims of, you know, uh, sex trafficking, especially have some of those background um, experiences that cause them to be more vulnerable. But it's also can be affected like by anybody. Sometimes, you know, we see kids from good homes and good families. They just got mixed up with the wrong crowd or the wrong like boyfriend that they, you know, thought was a really good situation. And then it turned out to be something something worse than that. So anybody, um, especially kids are just can be targeted. And so 
a very um, unfortunate statistic is the most the average age of entry into being a sex trafficking victim is um, 13 years old. It's like between 12 12 to 14 years old for female victims and uh, 9 to 11 years old for for male victims. So So young. It's sad. It's really sad. Yeah, it is so sad. And a part of that is, you know, kids are, you know, a lot more impressionable. They don't have that kind of life skills to associate that and then like a trafficker they're gonna you know um they're gonna prey on that 100 percent. exactly exactly and we call those the boyfriend pimps or the romeo pimps they're the ones that you know seek out a female um typically obviously like i said before like anybody can be a victim but i'm gonna talk in terms of like the majority of cases so they'll seek out a girl and um you know, it's always like this friendship or grooming process that develops. And sometimes it's, you know, an actual relationship. And so they take care of them. Like we've had cases where a girl ran away from home and she ended up meeting somebody on the street and this person bought her some McDonald's. And because he cared enough to ask her what was going on and because he fed her and she was hungry, like that's all it took for her to, you know, agree to go home with him and to, you know, be friends with him just because of those basic necessities. So it doesn't take a lot of effort at times. And, you know, especially with the internet and, um, you know, it's so much easier to meet people and traffickers are on all of these social media sites as well, just preying upon victims and trying to see who, you know, who's looking for uh, somebody in their life that they can be taken care of by. So it's a, it's a very complex and scary and sad situation. How do they catch these people when they do catch them? Is there, are there sting operations that are done? Are they, do they have a network of people that they're watching like they would with any crime? How does mm-hmm. that, how does that work? Yeah. So I can speak in regards to, um, what we do, um, just because every, every jurisdiction is a little bit different and every state is different. Unfortunately, yeah. like we're still trying to get everybody on the same page with, um, recognizing sex trafficking as, you know, sex trafficking as victims instead of like just arresting everybody for prostitution charges when in reality they're being forced into it. Um, so we, um, my organization, Fight Tend Exploitation, we are um, we work alongside the Racine Human Trafficking Task Force. So we're very fortunate to actually have a task force designated to human trafficking cases. Uh, and we're obviously hoping that more and more jurisdictions jump on board with that just because it's such a huge issue and we need to obviously more more help combating this. But we'll do um, there. There's a we do a bunch of different ways to um, help victims out. Um, we will do sting operations. Uh, we have our own that we we will do. And um, sometimes we'll do national ones. So we'll have like FBI as a partner and we'll, you know, do some undercover stuff with them. Um, and so our target, how, how it normally works is... Um, if, if people don't already know, like there are a ton of websites online to where you can basically order a child or order a person 
and get them like deliver to your door or meet up with them faster than you can order a pizza nowadays. Like that's very dark web stuff that we're talking about. I'm assuming. No, it's not even dark web stuff there. Um, obviously there is that element too, but it's just, if you have the internet, you could find these, um, pages. I'm not going to say the specific websites because I I don't want people to go looking at them. Um, but they're basically like Craigslist type sites. And, um, so instead of, and, and they're any escort site is basically a front for trafficking. And so if you type in, you know, escort sites and it, it might take a little bit because you, you know, it won't pop up automatically unless you know the specific site, but you can go on and see all these advertisements posted about people in your area that are available for services. And so when we do undercover operations, like that's kind of our, um, our key, it's almost like how you would go. Oh, so almost can, like how they would go after child predators back in the day, or still in the day. Like, yep, mm-hmm. almost, yep, to, almost, have to, almost so have to we, trick them into it. Yeah, yep. So we'll we'll do it a couple different ways. Like we can either um, try to get we'll pretend to be the customer and try to get somebody to meet up with us, and hopefully, you know, we'll we won't put into custody the victim, but we will take them to try to you know, see if what we can do to help them. Um, and obviously if they're with anybody like a pimp or something, we can arrest them. So we'll do it to try to meet with victims and try to see what we can do to help. Otherwise you can do it the opposite and try to pretend to be, you know, um, somebody who's available for sex and try to arrest the people who are trying to buy it just because this is very much a supply and demand issue. And you can't, you know, obviously sex trafficking is so profitable because people are paying for it. So you have to attack it from all sides. You can't only punish the people who are exploiting the victims, but you also have to punish the people who are buying it too, because they're both guilty for that. Um, So we'll use those sites as kind of a thing, uh, as a tool that we use. And a lot of them have pictures like in these advertisements. And so what we can do is, um, you know, we've looked at pictures of like missing children in the area and we'll compare them to see if they're, you know, somewhat similar. Otherwise, um, our goal is, you know, to help as many kids as possible. So we try to look for the youngest, the youngest that we see. And a lot of times like, um, pimps, when they write out the advertisements or when they force the the girls to write their advertisements out, there are different code words and like code emojis that will signify to the buyer that they are a child. Um, so it's like kind of like a hidden thing too. Um, but that's, you know, with the internet just kind of being widely accessible, that's how most of this happens. So it's not just always on the street anymore. Like they don't have to be on the street when they have the whole internet at their disposal. I was going to say it was there some sort of code word. Obviously you can't say, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm selling a child who wants a child. That's probably way too blatant. Yeah. Yeah. Like some words that we've seen are like kind of like petite or co-ed or fresh faced or, um, you know, they'll even use, you know, like if they're 18 years old, they might just say that they're 18, but it's, um, like if they're specifically saying their age, usually it's kind of, a, you know, a clue too, but it's, you know, it's an ever evolving thing because as we're learning more and more about it, like the pimps are changing their game a little bit and trying to, you know, keep, keep from, you know, being arrested and eluding um, the law enforcement. And so that's why we see a lot of sex trafficking in our like area, like Southeastern Wisconsin, just because we're right between Milwaukee and Chicago. And there's this big track along I-94 where, um, 
you know, traffickers will just transport their victims basically back and forth from Milwaukee to Chicago and everywhere in between. Because the more likely, the longer they are in one specific area, the more likely they are to get caught. Um, so, so is that how they elude the authorities? Keep, keep keeping on the move and keeping kind of one step mm-hmm. ahead of you guys as far as you yeah. try to catch them? Yep, that's one problem, um, you know, and a lot of it, too, is just because it's such a it's such a big crime. And we in a perfect world, we would have like every law enforcement department would have a specific human trafficking task force that, you know, goes and tries to combat this. But it's still such a you know, it's it's hard dealing with all the other issues that we have. And it's basically expanding way faster than we can combat it. And they know that. So that's why they keep, you know, taking advantage of that. And for every, you know, in a undercover operation, like a, let's say we're doing it overnight, like a 12 hour operation, like we might be able to make contact with like five or six victims, but then there are still 30 other advertisements that we didn't even get to respond to. So it's like, we can do such small little, um, you know, we can just keep hoping to make little dents and making little ripples that turn into waves. But it's still like we that's why we do so much awareness about it is because we don't have the proper resources to combat it as much as we want to right now. And it's it's a sad reality, but hopefully, hopefully one day we will. So what can somebody do if they uh, think that they know there's a situation like this going on? Maybe they have a friend that they think could have been duped into this or a child that they know. Can somebody call the, do they just call the authorities immediately? Is that kind of how they can get them onto it? How can you help somebody if you feel like Mm -hmm. they're being subjected to this? Yeah, um, I guess I'll first start about uh, talking about some red flags that you can um, kind of pay attention to just because it's um, one of those things where if you don't know what you're looking for, you might miss it. So I go to schools a lot and teach um, kids and teachers and counselors about, you know, different red flags. And we also um, teach, like we try as an organization, try to train as many people as we can about human trafficking, like law enforcement, first responders, hospital workers, because a lot of those people out in the front lines are going to see victims before we come in contact with them. Um, And same with uh, truck stops. We'll do like truck stop campaigns where we try to um, train truck stop owners and employees and same with hotels and motels too. Um, So we just try to teach everybody to be as observant as we can. But if um, you know, you're concerned about somebody who um, might be involved with something like this, just some like red flags could be, you know, they're starting to hang out with a different group of people and those, you know, people might not be the best influences. They could be partying more or drugs or alcohol. And um, another misconception I'll just throw in really quickly is a lot of people assume that they, you know, are, become involved with a pimp because they need money to fund their drug habit, which yes, that does happen for sure. But sometimes pimps will intentionally get their victims addicted to drugs as a way to control them. So sometimes the drug habit comes in conjunction or, you know, after the fact. Um, The dependency on the drug, you have the dependency on the human as well. Yep, absolutely. So that's um, a red flag as well. Like, if um, like they're in school, like, you know, we talked about how kids are such a big target for this. Like, even if they are just skipping school or doing poorly in classes or just starting to act out, um, you know, they could obviously just be like a problem child or having issues in that moment. But I always teach my teachers and, you know, counselors and people who work in schools to, you know, ask, go ask a couple more questions. Like, 
do they feel safe at home? Are they having problems with family or friends or, you know, just to kind of take a little more time and in investing in them? Um, because even behavioral issues at, like that could be a sign that they're getting involved with the wrong type of crowd. Um, any sort of, you know, depression or anger or, you know, mental health issues that kind of seem a little more recent could be a red flag. And, um, same with like withdrawing from friends or family. Um, and when we teach our or retrain our hospital workers, you know, um, a big problem of why human trafficking is not, you know, it's statistics are hard in regards to it just because a lot of the cases are misidentified. And so somebody could come to the hospital for, you know, treatment for something and it could be labeled like a domestic violence type situation. Um, or like a sexual assault, which, you know, obviously that's part of trafficking. Um, but it could, if you ask a couple more questions, you could try to discover more and more. Um, more so we try story. to, yep, absolutely. And so it's just kind of being aware of that. And so that's really the key in trying to combat this is learning about it and just having people pay attention more and just have a little more empathy. Cause you know, it's, very hard to get so wrapped or it's very easy to get so wrapped up in your own life. And if you, you know, aren't checking in with some people or you see something as suspicious, like just talk to them and ask them like what's going on. And then obviously if you do have any suspicions, um, you can contact law enforcement, um, and report things, you know, there's also a human trafficking hotline number, um, that is a national number. It's a toll free number and you can call and report, trafficking there. Um, I guess I can say the, the hotline number, but it's 888-373-7888. And so that's a national hotline number to where you can call and report um, anonymously, anonymously, if you'd like, instances of human trafficking and that they connect with local like law enforcement in that area. Um, and there's also like a text line too. If you text, it's be free um, you can text anonymously or even just like, you know, if you're a kid or if you, you know, just talk to somebody you trust, like a teacher, a parent, um, you know, cause yeah, a lot of this stuff could be going here. on. Yep. Absolutely. So what can be, what can other people do to get involved? Obviously you're involved on pretty grand level. You're on, you're on the board for the fight to end exploitation, but how can people get involved? Mm -hmm. Is it advocacy? Is it just being aware? How can people best get involved if they want to do what they can to help? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the biggest thing of like what you can do is just talking about this, um, spreading correct information because there's so much false information that's going on out there. Um, we have a website, uh, fight to end exploitation.org. And we have, a uh, some opportunities available. Like there's, uh, depending on how you want to get involved, we're always looking for people to, um, you know, help as much as they can, whether or not it's sharing our Facebook posts on Facebook, just to, you know, spread awareness to your own circle of friends or to request us to come talk to you or your group. Like we, we will come and talk to, and train everybody. Um, and right now, since obviously we're still at home and practicing social distancing, like we, I just did a, a zoom session for some Girl Scout troops in Illinois. Um, so we're always, willing to come talk to people. And, um, uh, obviously if I know a lot of people, like they want to help victims, like that's their thing and they want to get involved. Um, and right now, 
our advocates that work with victims directly, and I am one of them, um, like that's a very extensive process to get trained and to be able to help them directly. And so um, we're not accepting any advocates, uh, volunteers at the moment, but it's just, you know, getting involved, um, talking about this making it a, you know, common thing and especially like advocating for your schools to start speaking about it. Cause I, um, go to schools pretty frequently, um, and talk to students and, and teachers about this. And I've even taught at different in-service days. And even a few years ago, it was so much harder to get the schools to allow us to come in. Cause it's such like a controversial topic, you know, yeah. people don't want to be talking about sex trafficking and rape and porn and all of the stuff that ties in together. Um, but now that they're, they're finally realizing that we need to be talking about this because their their students are the target ages right now because they're so much more impressionable than adults are. And if they can, you know, lure them in when they're younger, they basically have them on hold for a, a lot longer. Um, and so schools are finally getting on board with that. And so we're talking to more and more schools. But yeah, it's just being educated, talking about this, um, talking to your kids about this too, because this is, you know, it affects everybody, whether or not you know it directly, like anybody could become a, a victim of this. And it's it's an unfortunate thing, but that's really the, the key thing right now is just generating more awareness and correct knowledge of this. And, to, you know, obviously there's these Facebook posts that go on about, you know, I think somebody was trying to kidnap me into sex trafficking because they followed me in the parking lot. Um, you know, those those posts are obviously, you know, they right. do their job and scaring people and making drawing awareness, but always do your own research too, you know. Uh, with anything don't really. Believe everything. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Read, I know. Read past the headline sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I wish it, we didn't have to explain that, but you know, still so many people fall into those traps of just like, oh my God, this is the world is, everything is terrifying. People are trying to kidnap me and this and that. It's like, well, maybe, but most likely not. But right. You, know. you must think a lot of yourself if you think everyone wants to kidnap you. <laughs> exactly. Well, I hope that we've mm-hmm. done your cause justice in talking about uh, human trafficking and sex trafficking. It's fighttoendexploitation.org. Again, that's the website that's um, mm-hmm. Fight to End Exploitation based out of Racine, Wisconsin. It's in super important work that you're doing, and I thank you for doing that. Keep up the good fight with that. I'm glad to have you as a friend. Glad to have you as an advocate. I'm sure they're happy to have you on as well. Thank you so much. Again, the website on that, fighttoendexploitation.org. Thanks for checking out Rigs Off the Radio. It's a radio.com podcast. You enjoy the rest of your day and per usual make good life decisions